Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 228 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes. You can learn more about the sponsors at juiceboxpodcast.com or in the show notes of the podcast player you're listening to right now. Today I'm going to speak with Alina. She is Lila's mother. Alina has had a rough go of it being the mother of a child with type 1 diabetes. Things are getting better, but there were a lot of struggles early on and she's here to tell us about them. At the end of the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about nuts and bolts management ideas and everything in between. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before becoming bold with insulin or making any changes to your medical plan. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and a review in iTunes. Well-reviewed podcasts show up higher in searches. Help someone find the Juice Box podcast. Leave a review and a five-star rating. My name is Alina, and my daughter is Lila. She's six years old. And she was diagnosed when she was two and a half years old. So you're coming up on four years? Yep. Well, the anniversary is September 23rd. You're actually at four years? Yeah, gotcha. so we're a little more than four years. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Okay, and her name again, I'm so sorry? Lila. Lila. That's a pretty name. Thank you. Nice, And she's your first? She's my first. You have a, a little boy, too? I have a little boy who's three, and when she was diagnosed, I was seven months pregnant with my boy. Okay. Okay. So you've been busy the last couple of years. Yeah. (laughs) It's been overwhelming trying to make it through. Does that feeling, that overwhelmed feeling, has it been with you the whole time? So I would say like the first year and a half, or I would, I was really depressed and I would like cry every day. Mm -hmm. And I remember people telling me after a year, everything will be better. And then when that year mark came and I wasn't better, uh, then I started getting worried. But like clockwork at a year and a half, I woke up and I realized that my daughter was still happy and she was all bubbly and excited. And that gave me some peace. Yep. I think it's, I think it's incredibly important not to set kind of false like timelines for ourselves about stuff like this. And I did the very same thing, by the way, I had it in my head at the end of a year. I'll understand this. Like why I, why I picked a year. I don't know. Why didn't I? Everybody told me a year, like a year. That was the golden time. Yeah. The magical number. Like why wasn't it nine and a half months? You you know what I mean? Like why a year? So then at the end of the year, I panicked. I didn't do what you did. You made it out six months later. I panicked. I was like, okay, two years. (laughs) I was very forgiving. <laughs> yeah. I was very forgiving of the situation. I was like, why don't we just give it another twelve months? Uh, it turns turns out none of those things were the answer for you. The answer was just recognizing that a lot of this was how you felt, not how she felt. Yeah, I would look at her. She she was so happy, you know. In front of her, I had my game face on, and I said, "It's no big deal." I was always trying to make it not a big deal, and she picked up on that, which is good. 
even even now I say do people ask you about your your monitor she goes yeah but I tell them it's for my diabetes and it's no and that's what it is yeah no I think that's well I think any way you can get them to um to it's no big deal to thinking of it as just part of how things are and not some horrible drain on them or or a thing to be embarrassed about any way you get to that is great because that's an incredibly valuable lesson to teach a child or a, an adult living with type one is, I know. That, yeah, is that you cannot be, you can't spend, you know what? It, it's funny. I just got done speaking at a thing this weekend and I was all done and I was completely exhausted and I had spoken, I did a morning breakfast where we talked about being bold with insulin with a small group of about 60 people. Then at lunch I did 500 people in the main hall and then right after that, I ran into a Q&A, and I must talk to another 200 people along with some other folks on a, on, a, on a Q&A panel. And even as I was leaving, I felt completely exhausted, but I had a T-shirt left over. So I took it down to the kids' room to take, just give it to somebody. And as I was walking out, there was a teen room, and I went in there, and I, I chatted with them just for a couple of minutes. And one of the kids said that they don't, they, they don't pre-bolus or sometimes don't bolus at all for their meals at school because they're embarrassed for people to see them, you know, with their giving themselves insulin. And this was just a person with a pump, not, not injections. Yeah. And I told the whole room, I said, listen, nothing, nothing can be as important as your health. You, you know, you can't let someone's opinion or, a, a, you know, a, a sideways glance from somebody or even being embarrassed get in the way of your health. Those people will be long gone later in your life when you're having trouble because you just didn't want to bolus in front of them. I know. And from the get go, I would check her finger in public because I didn't want a whole life of hiding and I didn't want her to have a complex. And so I think that's working out well. And then, um, I took her to a diabetes camp recently and everybody's doing it out in public. So she feels a little more, she's not as, doesn't feel as alone. Mm -hmm. No, I, yeah. I definitely believe in the free love version of diabetes. So, there's a 60s reference, isn't it? Look how yeah, old I Yeah, I was born way after. <laughs> Me too. I told those kids in the room, like, do any of you listen to the podcast? And a couple of them raised your hand. And I said, is it seeming like a bad idea now that you see it's an old man doing it? <laughs> they, they looked at me like, yeah, kind of. Um, no, I, I think that's that's spectacular. I don't. I, I once wrote a whole article about hiding. Uh, there was a somebody on an airplane who got yelled at for like checking their blood sugar, giving themselves insulin in public. And it made me so angry that, that they, they were told to like go, you know, shuttle off to the a bathroom on a plane. Yeah. Give themselves their insulin there. And there was no harm in what they were doing. I mean, going back to like the early years with her is she, she was about to, she was in a preschool and they came up with the lame excuse of, oh, parents don't want to see, don't want to hear about a girl's blood being checked. So they kicked her out of the preschool. Really? Yeah. Oh. It was a private preschool. So they're not, they didn't receive public government funds. So they were free to do whatever they wanted to do. And they and, discriminated against your daughter for checking your blood sugar because they thought other people wouldn't want to hear that that was happening in the, in the room. Right. And it was such a battle finding a preschool for her. I would say maybe like six places rejected her. Um, nobody really wanted to deal with it because, you know, 
it's a lot of work. Yeah. And then, and then, mm-hmm. by the way, I get that. I get if it's somebody who's like, look, we're not qualified for this, or I don't feel like I could take on that responsibility. That I at least understand a little bit. But, you know, to, to stigma, because imagine you're, I mean, she's your oldest and she's two and a half. And now you, she's being stigmatized and told, like, no, like, get away, dirty you. And that's now the the problem you're dealing with early in, like, building a family. I imagine how long were you married when you had her? I had her, I was married two years prior. Oh, so you're, you're, you're building a, a, a family and there's, there's your beautiful little girl. And then, and this is happening. Did it, do you think that was part of the depression? For sure. Like I, I felt like everyone, just like what you say, I felt like all the adults were afraid and I literally for one preschool did all the training like did outlines, did all the charts. And the day before it was supposed to start, they said, no, you know, we're not equipped to, to handle her. Hmm. So they were a yes. And then they were a no. Yes. Do you think, Uh do you think the preparation scared them? It did scare them, but I didn't know any other way to simplify it. You know, I kept trying to simplify it, but then in the end there were some details that are important. When you look back now, do you see how the, those details probably, they were like, okay, this is a lot. I totally get it, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I got you. No, I don't, so, I don't, I don't blame you. I'm just saying it's interesting what hindsight does because I can look back on some of the conversations I had early on and I think, oh, there was a crazy person standing there explaining diabetes to those people. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because isn't it what happened is you thought of all the, the myriad of possibilities and you felt like you had to explain what each and every one of them was. I did. It was even confusing to myself. So... You know, I didn't even have it figured out. But then we found a preschool an hour away, and it turned out to be the best place ever. The The teacher would, had no fear, and she never complained about it. And, like, that was the first time that I could just relax and know that she was responsible. We would text all the time throughout the day. And that was, like, a very pivotal part the helping me get over, you know, my depression, finding the right person to support you. Right. So you you started to build your own little community there. I did. It was an hour commute. So, (laughs) well, I was just going to say, and I mean, you must've really loved it because an hour, I mean, how did Lila get there? Did you FedEx her in the morning? (laughs) Oh my God. And from there (laughs) it gets worse. Once I dropped her off, it took me another 45 minutes to get to work. So you're commuting almost four hours a day just because of of the preschool. Yes. Oh my gosh. Did you ever consider just locking her in a closet and going to work? I mean, I don't think that's legal, but it does. Um, does. I'd worry about her lows. I couldn't do that. I abandoned my kid, but she's got diabetes and you see her blood sugar could get low. Oh my God. (laughs) No, I mean, but seriously, that's an incredible commitment from you to get her to something that was valuable for her and for you. I mean, that's that's no joke because you live in California too, right? In Los Angeles, the heart of Los Angeles. So an hour and 45 commute, you had to drive almost, what were you driving? Three miles, maybe four? Oh, I don't know. Just too long. Too long. A lot of traffic out there. From the valley, I would drive from the valley to West Hollywood to downtown LA. Oh, Oh, bless you. I mean, that really is, you're a good mom because because that's a lot of effort. You, You know what I mean? Like just to find a good situation for. So what changed 
for you once she got there and she was being supported? I mean, I guess the first question is, what was the person you were leaving her with? What what kind of, I guess, attributes did they have that made it a comfortable situation? She was just super confident. She said, we're going to keep her here. We're never going to ask her to leave. Um, she was just very smart and had no experience with type one whatsoever. Yeah. But just didn't complain, didn't make me feel bad. Like I remember in other preschools, I, I would be in a panic if I knew she was going low. You know, I didn't, I wanted to you protect them from anything. And with so her. I'm sorry. So you were worried now about Lila and about the people at the preschool uh, in the yes. previous ones. So you were, you were shouldering the burden for all of those people at that point. All of it. And I like, that was like such a traumatic time for me mm -hmm. being rejected all the time. And then to be accepted finally was such a relief. And I mean, I felt like a normal person again, where I wasn't in fear that she was going to get kicked out. Yeah. And now was this just lip service or were they actually good at it? Like, were they just be like, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. And then everything. Well, she had no idea what she was doing, but I trained her and I texted her throughout the day. Like she was open to doing that with you. She was open and she's like, she just wasn't scared. Like you said, like fear is, uh, yeah. but anytime I look for like a babysitter or anything, I'm, I need to know that they're not scared because mm -hmm. I can't work with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's too, it's too limiting. It just really, I was just listening to something that's going to go up today, which of course by the time someone hears this will be six months ago, but it'll go up today. And I was saying like, even just slowing down to pause a little bit, you know, being scared to pre-bolus is an example. Like if you just pause a little bit, it's too late. You've missed your window. That fear with diabetes is, you know, you have to, you have to obviously understand what you're doing, but then from there, there's no, no moments of pause, just, you know, do what you know is right and go. And, and that fear freezes you. It, it messes everything up. And, you know, a lot was going on at the time. My son, he was born in December, the end of December of 2014. And then he ended up in the NICU for just a myriad of reasons okay. and nothing that serious. But he was there for 10 days. And this is all while we're trying to figure out how to care for Lila. So yeah. it was crazy time. I was going to say, when he's born, she's only diagnosed a couple of months, right? Yes. And I... Uh, and I just found out from a friend that there's something called a CGM and I pushed my endo office to get the Dexcom and a pump mm -hmm. and they were telling me the whole spiel about wait three months, you know, so you're used to injections. And I said, that's crazy. I'm about to give birth. I need help. You know, <laughs> I need technological assistance. And so I finally got those devices, but I got the the CGM like right before I gave birth and I got the pump maybe a month afterwards. Okay. So it did end up taking three months, which was, but it could have been longer if I had just waited, yeah, like they, they said. Right. They would have made you wait three months and then it would have taken three months. Give me one second here. I'm going to text Arden about a bolus she needs. Omnipod created their pod for anyone with insulin dependent diabetes. If you start today with the Omnipod, you can say goodbye to needles and pens. If you have diabetes and your body requires insulin, you need to know about Omnipod. It can make your diabetes a smaller and more manageable part of your life. I'm talking about people with type 1 or insulin requiring type 2 diabetes. 
Those people and the caregivers of children and adults with diabetes are choosing pod therapy as a simple, smart, and discreet way to control their insulin and manage their diabetes. With pod therapy, you have a proven, reliable insulin management system that can provide up to 72 hours of continuous insulin delivery. It all starts with their tubeless design and a wearable pod that is waterproof, discreet, and controlled by a personal diabetes manager. And the PDM can help you accomplish everyday tasks like carb counting, bolusing, temp basils, and much more. One of the things I love the most about Omnipod is that they don't make you take some guy's word for it. Yeah, my daughter's been using one for 11 years and we love it. But you don't have to trust my word. I mean, you can say, yeah, that makes sense. That guy seems to know, but I'd like to know for myself. Well, you can. You go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. You fill in your name and your address and Omnipod will send you a peck in the mail. That's not a kiss. That's a pod experience kit. That's right. You're going to receive a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod that you can try on, wear, and make the decision for yourself. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox with the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Arden is full on mature at this point. And the last number of days, her blood sugar has been insane. Oh my gosh. So, um, something that would take say 13 units was suddenly taking like 26 units. Wow. I was doubling her basal from 1.4 to three an hour. And that wasn't enough. We were, we had double basal and boluses and everything was just, everything was a mess. And last night, like she's supposed to get her period yesterday and this morning she wakes up and her blood, her blood sugar is like four o'clock in the morning. It's like getting low. And so I'm trying to bring it up. And all of a sudden now I can't bring it up. So I'm, I'm like, okay. So I finally get it up and I send her off to school and it starts going up again. And now I'm like, okay, is this like a trend? Like, like it's going to go up like crazy up like it has been, or is it going to now mimic the low, the lower thing and like back to normal. And, and so I, I got really aggressive in the morning, but then that made her low. And so we fought with the low, you know, got that insulin through her and then headed into, into the lunch. And I was like, oh God, what do I do? <laughs> so I, you know, I, so I pre-bolused not as much as I should have, but not by much. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't kind of, you know, I didn't wimp out completely, but her blood sugar is like 160 now an hour, half after lunch. And so I'm going to try to get her to push it down here. So we have a different situation going on. I think something happened with the breakfast bolus and it didn't go through. Okay. And now she's at high. Oh my gosh. So my husband is going to rush over and change her pot and give her another correction. She's And she's now in kindergarten? She's in kindergarten. And we have this whole system where... Um, for certain hours of the day, the nurse and I monitor her. So I'll text the nurse if she needs to treat a low. And then I have an aide come in that I pay for, um, for like four hours of the day who can bolus her for insulin and monitor her because Lila is so dependent on adults. So this person just rolls up for a couple of hours and handles Lila's blood sugars for you. Yes. God bless her. And you don't have to be involved at all. She's just, she's, Oh my God. She's, 
So, so I had one aide last year, Brianna. And then I have another aide this year, Kaylee. And they're so great. At first, of course, I was texting, like, to make sure they treated Lowe's and everything. But they're so on top of it that it's the first time that I can work. I actually work full time. And so I can actually focus on my work instead of my Dexcom. Good for you. That's amazing. And the rest of the time I text the nurse. So I'm always monitoring. And I just clicked around and looked here so I could see the dates. But what is it now? Right now it's November 2018, which will throw people off when they're listening in the middle of 2019. But in January of 2019, I'm going to interview Brianna. Yeah, yeah that's so, great. Yeah, so you're on and then she's on. And we won't give Brianna's story away because okay. yeah, it'll be it'll be more fun to hear it there. But um, but I think that is really cool. So let's kind of we'll backtrack a little bit. Yeah. So she's, she's diagnosed that it's only a few years ago. You obviously didn't leave the hospital with a CGM because you had to fight for one. But how are you giving insulin? What did they give you on day? Oh, syringes. They, we only stayed a night. And in the morning, there was like a two-hour lesson that I had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. And no one was in my family was paying attention. And I was so overwhelmed. And they said, just go home and give these injections. Good luck. And um, my parents were actually in another state on vacation. And so I called them frantically to fly back and they're like, you'll be fine. You know, they didn't really understand. (laughs) They're like, don't ruin our vacation. I'm like, no, every hour I'd call, fly back, I need you. And then they finally flew back and they're like, oh, this is what you're doing. This is intense. We didn't understand all that. Hey, you had, you were probably pretty far into placenta brain by that part of your pregnancy, right? Like the- my body was shaking from the diagnosis. I was shaking. I was worried I'd go in like early labor. Mm-hmm. And I called my OB. He's like, you'd be, you'll be fine for another two days because the fluid is circulating. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, none of this so, is comforting. None of it. I'm like, wow. Okay. I have two days to calm down. Were your parents at least on like a really great vacation where we could all feel like, all right, I wouldn't have left either. Um. I don't recall where, but they were really upset about leaving, and they went a year later to the same place. <laughs> That's very nice. Um, yeah, I, listen, I don't. It's a great example, right? Like you're telling them what's going on, and they're like, "Oh, diabetes? That doesn't sound that serious." They're like, "You're okay. You'll get medical help. It's all gonna be fine." Please, we saved for this trip. <laughs> I know they said that. Did you feel like you owed them a trip after, like later when, like? Well, they kept bringing it up. So I'm like, so dear damn location again and so they did and that's now they're fine but <laughs> but yeah that made me laugh okay so you had you had in, you had uh, syringes and that was obviously especially in the early i mean i remember the first couple of days it's ridiculous you just you really feel like someone handed you a gun and you, and you had never shot one before and you just i've never yeah. given an injection before like oh my god it's incredible terrifying oh. and I remember my husband gave the first injection and he started crying. He never cried, you know, like that he just did that to his daughter. And then my daughter was in the hospital was screaming like, what are you doing to me? Mm. And like that scream is still in my head for saying that. What are you doing to me? You know, she's little. She was tiny. Someone was just telling me the other day how they used to have to pin their kid down to give them injections. And I remember yeah. I had to do that with Arden sometimes too. Yeah, we did that too. Yeah, that's a lot. 
Um, well, okay. So do you have, are you still injecting now? Or? Oh, no. It's the um, Omnipod. Oh, cool. Because once the Animus ping. ping went out of business, In we Holland. switched to the Omnipod. Yeah. We have the Dexcom G6, and we, we use Fiasp insulin. Oh, oh cool. Oh, how is that? How did you? I love it. It made a huge impact on Lila. Like, the corrections work so much faster. Mm-hmm. And that kind of was the beginning when things started mo- getting better for her. Yeah. Well, what what insulin did you start with? Let's badmouth that one first. Uh, Novolog. Oh, same company. They don't care. And so, all right. Yeah. And so, and so you moved to the, uh, is it FIASP or FIASP? I, I don't know. I don't know. You should, yeah. you should spell it in a way where it's not ambiguous. But anyway, the faster um, active. Uh, I think that's, by the insulin way. Insulin aspart, right? That's where the name comes from, faster insulin aspart. So. That's really sexy, uh, but but nevertheless, nevertheless, the naming. By the way, naming for drugs is incredibly complicated. The FDA has a say in it. You can't make it can't sound too much like another drug. It's there's like a, yeah, I a bet. rules about it. But but nevertheless, so you how long you've been using that one, the new one? As soon as it came out, as soon as it came out. So it's been a couple say, months. You've been and- out. Okay, as soon as they said it was okay for pumps, or or no, it's not as okay soo- for pumps yet. As soon as they came out with it on the market here um and they said it's it's approved for adults so my doc- doctor just did you know what script. she needed to do cool so yeah because it's not i don't think it's fda approved for pumps yet but people are using it in pumps yeah, yeah that, i don't know why more people don't use it it's really amazing and the pre-boluses are so much shorter how about and, lows later are you seeing any lows later um we had lows before, so we don't see any lows later. It's just everything is, is faster, like the corrections. Everything just goes at a faster rate, which is great because we would sit there for like three hours and wait for her numbers to come down. Yeah. You know, everything that you say you shouldn't do. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> well, listen, it happens. You got to just figure out how to stop. But when it first happens to you, there's no real way to... You can't just guess. It's it's you need to wait until somebody kind of sometimes explains it in a way that you're like, oh, that makes sense. I'll try that. Okay, so you're using an insulin pump, using Omnipod, using a Dexcom. Are things like you said things have been better? Were things not good in the beginning? Like in the very beginning, where like blood sugars crazy? Were you guys struggling with that constantly? So, I mean, we we she was diagnosed really early she was a 7.91c but um such huge spikes and drops and we were at children's hospital and they have a really great program there where i could speak to a nurse every day if i wanted to so i literally would email the nurse every day with her numbers and ask her what settings i needed to change and I would change the settings constantly and, you know, for like a year. And the poor nurse, um, she went on vacation for two weeks. And while she was gone, I realized I could just do it myself. <laughs> and she came back and I like barely ever contact her anymore. But I was really glad she went on vacation that one time. That's excellent because I thought like your parents' vacation, you're going to be like, I made her come home. And no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that really is the truth. Like, it's, I heard a million people say it this weekend, but you have to be able to make these adjustments on your own. Plus, 
have you learned that making them as frequently as you were probably wasn't as yeah. valuable as you thought? Totally. Yeah. What happened is, um, like half a year ago, she had an 8.1 A1C. Mm-hmm. And that just traumatized me because she had always been in the low sevens. And I realized my set, my perfecting the setting settings had done nothing for her. And maybe I should just improvise a little bit more. And that's when I started listening to your podcast. And I, now I only change settings maybe every two weeks, but But a big tip. And when you're saying settings, you mean insulin to carb ratios or basal rates or what basal rates insulin to carb ratios and iss okay i only change that stuff as arden's growing when she gets bigger and requires more insulin i move her basals up and her you know yeah to be honest i don't it was her insulin to carb ratio i don't even really i don't know what that is but I, i it's not that i don't let me start over i know what an insulin to carb ratio is i don't use it i don't pay attention right you know, it's still like in the back of my head that I want to prevent low so that the school doesn't kick her out. I still have that in the background. Oh, that's sad. I'm sorry. It is sad. Yeah. No, I, I feel badly when you said that. Just the idea that that stuck with you. I understand how it could have, but it, that it's stuck with you for so long now that you're not in that situation anymore is a good indication, by the way, of why you don't treat people like that. Because it's it's difficult to shake stuff sometimes. and. Excuse me, people put these thoughts in your head and it's it's difficult to get away from. But I hope you can get let go of that one because, you know, I mean, you don't want her to get low because you don't want her to get low, but not because somebody's going to be yeah. mad at you. That that I don't want you. I don't want you living like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, okay. So I would say, oh, I usually, this will be fun. I usually unplug the phone during the podcast, but because it's election day, I, oh. I'm hoping that... I get like a robocall f- from like a like a famous person, but instead it's going to end up being like my mom or something like that. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's my mom. Be- Have you called her lately? Well, she and I were texting on Sunday, and I said, um, "She, she, t- my mom has the ability to text her." And see, she won't give up. That's a really loud ring. Yeah. Well, it's an open floor plan, so it's it's echoing around. Ah. <laughs> you would think she'd stop. <laughs> this is fascinating. I'll edit most of this out, but you and I will sit here, and then I'll tell you the story <laughs> about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> my so my mom can, and I'm sure everyone says this, but my mom calls at the absolute worst times always. It is, I used to believe that she had a camera in my house and she could see when was the most inopportune time and then she would pick up the phone. And, um, and, and I don't know that that's true. I don't believe she's technologically advanced enough to accomplish that. But I, I do believe that, that on some level she can feel me. Yeah, she busy. gave birth to you. Right, she right. knows. Well, I'm adopted, not even. So <gasps> she basically, That's right. Yeah, right. She basically just picked me up like at a like a food mart or something. Aww. I don't know where they where she came to get me at. But anyway, my point is, is she calls at the worst times. So the reason I texted with her this weekend, I'm on stage getting ready to start, and I get a text from my mom. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> I'm like, mom, yeah, mom, I'm in a different state, about to speak to a whole bunch of people, and she's like, oh, okay, and then, but. It's not just oh, okay. Then she still asks the thing she called. Yes, out. yes, I have 
<laughs> I know what that's all about with my mother-in-law. <laughs> I said, I'm with a client right now. Is it urgent? She goes, okay, just one minute. I need to tell you about the pants that I bought Lila. <laughs> that's my mom. My mom does that. My mom and your mother-in-law might be the same person then. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, Mom, I can't right now. The house is on fire and Arden's dying on the floor. I have a lot to do. Yeah, yeah that's fine. I didn't mean to bother you. Just real quickly, when I look at my computer and this thing pops up, I'm like, no, no, not now. <laughs> anyway, and why did my answering machine not pick up? I have a lot of questions, but we'll get past those right now. Anyway, my point was I didn't unplug the phone for our podcast because I'm hoping some famous robocall calls and I'll get it on my machine. It'll be like, hello, I'm Barack Obama or something like that is going to Oh, okay. That's what I was hoping for. Anyway, instead, we got my mom's ring 19 times. I'm very sorry. Are you ready to see your glucose levels in a whole new way? Well, the Dexcom G6 eliminates finger sticks for calibration and diabetes treatment decisions. That's right. The Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor helps you see where your blood sugar is going and how fast it's getting there with no painful finger sticks. Now, if this sounds like the work of wizards and witches to you, and you've never heard of the Dexcom CGM, let me tell you a bit about it. CGM stands for Continuous Glucose Monitor. And I'll tell you what, this beautiful little device is at the core of how we help my daughter live unencumbered and happily every day with type 1. I'm recording this around 9.30 on a school night, and Arden's blood sugar is 71 and stable. That's right, my daughter's going to go to bed tonight with a blood sugar, I'm guessing, at about 78 and it's going to sit there as steady and as peaceful as can be. And if it doesn't, if it tries to go up or down, I'm going to get alerted. And then I'll make a decision and take action. But if it stays nice and stable there, it's 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, wherever. Ugh, a restful night's sleep it will be. Now, come on, that must sound good to you. And by the way, I'm telling you what my daughter's blood sugar is right now, but she's not with me. How am I doing that? Because I have Dexcom Share. That's right, my daughter's using a follow app on her phone, and I can see it on mine. That's available for Android and iPhone. Come on, Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Go find out about it now. It's going to change your life. You're in a really interesting position because you're holding on to some thoughts from years ago. Um, you're obviously, I mean... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems to me like you're still nervous because the aid so that Lila doesn't have to wait with five or six other kids. I mean, that's, um, I think a lot of people would have heard that and been like, the kid could just stand in the line, but you really, you said she can't stand in the line. So does she can't stand in the line mean something bad's going to happen if she doesn't stand No, in the line? but like, you don't want she her needs her pre-bullets at a certain time and... Sometimes those kids could take a while, like half an hour, and then her lunch is over. Like, I can't. They only have, like, a half an hour lunch and a half an hour recess. You definitely don't want that. Like, either her pre-bowls will be too late, right, or she'll waste away all the time. Now, how, she's in kindergarten, so she's, what, is she five or six? She's in first grade first now. First grade. Is she six? She's six, and let me just tell you, she's so hyper and, like, not focused that someone has the aide sits with her at lunch to make sure she eats or else she would just talk and talk and talk with her friends. <laughs> that sounds right though. You, you know, like I, I think I was probably like that when I was six. I might be like that now to be perfectly honest. 
because that was going to, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, I'm assuming this isn't how you want to do this forever. So I mean, no. you listen to the podcast a lot. Are you considering texting when she's able to? Yeah. I te- well, right now I'm texting the nurse, the aide, but Lila's just not, you know, she's not ready for that yet. Ready for that. And I'm just like holding out hope for the Omnipod horizon to make my whole life better. Yeah. I think it definitely will, by the way. I, um, but, but so, but if say horizon wasn't, on the horizon. Sorry. Uh, say it wasn't coming. Do you think at a moment that when you thought she could handle it, would you yeah, take, take the nurse out of the chain and just be between you and her? That's the goal. Yeah. No, I think so too. That's excellent. But I mean, at six years old, there's a lot of time still before that's going to be. I know. Yeah. Before that's going to be something you can do. I mean, do you have a, um, a time in mind where you think she's going to be okay? Or are you just going to wait and see how it goes? Yeah, I have no idea when she'll be mature enough to handle it. I keep asking. Some people say 10. Some people say 12. Some people say 18. So Keep in mind, some people told you it would take a year for you to completely understand yeah. diabetes. So I, I wouldn't yeah, – I think it's going to be when you see – when you see it in her, you know, when you're like, okay, she can, she'll handle this. She'll answer my text. She'll do what we talk about. She won't get distracted while we're talking. And and keep in mind also, please, it still happens. You know, I mean, Arden's 14. She's a freshman in high school. And how long ago now that I tell you I was going to ask her to bolus? She hasn't answered me yet. So yeah, it's that's... been it's been like ten minutes. It's not. I mean, it's this is just a little bolus to bump a blood sugar. So I'm not worried about it. If it was more um, dire in some way, then I have other ways of you know getting a hold. Yeah. Of her. No, but Lila is still so little, like yeah. just learning how to write. I don't think and read right, and so I wouldn't trust her to to okay. read words on the pump. And... No, don't don't get me wrong. Uh, I wouldn't either. Um, it it takes okay. I finally got a hold on here. It 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 takes till when it's the right thing to do. You you know it can't be. You can't rush something like that. You can't say, oh, she understands some of the words. Like I was talking to someone the other day whose child doesn't really, I think, speak English that well. And so and the mother yeah. was like, and she's like, I gotta wait till she gets all this better because she's like she's nine but she can't read. Oh, I know who it was. I think it was like, I forget. I, it was somebody I. I'm hoping to get on the podcast, but she, I think she adopted her child and, and the kids still learn how to read English. And she's like, she can't read it yet. And it kind of confused yeah. me for a minute. She, I was like, you have a nine year old that can't read. I was like, that seems odd. <laughs> That's and, a problem. and then I realized what was happening and I was like, Oh, that totally makes sense. But that was her barrier as well, which is I can't hundred percent trust that even what I'm saying is being picked up. But I'm going to tell you that once it is texting is absolutely one of the best diabetes yeah. tools I've ever found in my entire life. It, it changes everything. It makes things more immediate. And I, I wonder with the new technology, if we'd be able to bolus her from our cell phone in the room when we're not anywhere near her remotely. So that's, if that ever happens, that's far off. Really? And I would think the first time, look, I have no idea. But that's the FDA is has been in the past rigidly against that. And my uh, understanding through conversations I've had recently is that they're they're softening on the idea. So I think once they've now, you know, like, you know, very soon the the dash is coming out from from Omnipod. It'll, It'll be out when this goes up. 
But all that is is a lockdown Android phone that speaks right. wirelessly, you know, to the pod. So, I mean, I think once the FDA saw that, they're like, well, what's the difference between that one and this one? And, well, you know, that has to be within 20 feet of her. It'll still need to be uh, yeah. probably in Bluetooth distance, yeah. And so, yeah. It, like, so yeah, when when are they going to let you bolus from your bedroom from another device that's not directly connected to the pod? Um, and the answer is, I mean, who knows? You, you, you know what I mean? Like, it, when you stop and think about it, if you wanted to be able to send, my car has a remote start, right? So I go into an app, and I remote start my car. That means I send a signal, it goes up in the cloud, and there's something in the car that receives that signal. But your Omnipod pump, your, the pod itself's never going to have anything in it that can receive a signal from, you mm. know, like like from the you know from from a, a satellite or from the internet. So, and you couldn't build that kind of technology into the pod. Like, do you imagine how expensive that would be to build that technology into the pod and yeah. throw it away every three days? So, there's going to be something. You know, you'd probably have to still have your dash with you. Like, say your kid had his dash with him. Maybe the dash could be connected to the internet and you could remotely yeah. tell the dash. But still, that's up to the FDA to loosen up on. I do know the pump companies want that. They're, some of them are trying to, you know, move the FDA in that direction. But I think it's going to take some time. Like, the most common fight between my husband and myself is, who's going to go up and bowl with her? And I don't hear that a lot on your podcast, but like, that's like all we fight about is like your turn, no, your turn, because we have two, two, two story house and we watch TV downstairs and we're so tired. And yeah, well, that it's like, that, that, that happens here. I mean, it used to happen a lot more frequently than it does now, but I, I, oh my God, I know you're watching television, like pause, I got to go upstairs. And then it's yeah. and it's eleven o'clock, right? And you're like, oh my god, this was my life. Like this was the part of my day I was excited about. Yeah, sitting here like a lump watching this television show, and even that I, I can't get through. See, but he he's the one that gets up at night. Oh no, kidding. and yeah, and he goes to he sleeps in and then goes to work mm -hmm. later. He has his own firm, so he's able to do that, and then. I have to wake up early every morning to drive Lila, so I'm out at night. Gotcha. And so he holds that over my head and says, I do the nights. You better go up now and go with her. <laughs> well, you're, you could probably persuade him, but you probably don't have enough energy to persuade him, so I guess not. Maybe. <laughs> I bribe. I try to bribe him. It doesn't work. Yeah. Well, that is really cool, though, that you guys have shifted things around. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, when you told me in the beginning that how far you're driving just to get her to, to a decent place for care, I would think you would go that extra mile for the other stuff. And it's cool. So your husband pops up overnight. He gets the broken sleep. So yeah. then he sleeps a little extra in the morning and has that freedom to go into his own business a, a little later in the day. Yeah, because he's able to fall back asleep. And I can't do that. Like I tried in the beginning and I would just be awake the whole night, just worried. Anxiety. Just, I was going to say, is it anxiety that keeps you? Yeah, definitely anxiety. Yeah, I did last night. Um, the girls like passed out and, and Arden's, like I said, Arden's blood sugar was incredibly high for a couple of days. And then, and so they were watching television in my room and they fell asleep together. And when I went upstairs, I thought, I'm just going to leave her here because I'm probably going to be fighting with this blood sugar all night. And then it was, you know, a, it was, 
kind of fine and then all of a sudden low and I was like oh so I was just fighting in a different direction so I did I did what I did around 4 a.m to stop this 65 diagonal down that I had going on and you know as soon as I saw the diagonal down arrow go away and it came back to 70 I went right back to sleep yeah I was just like goodbye but I I have had nights like the ones you described where I look and I think I don't trust what's about to happen and then I'm, you know, before I know it, I've watched three episodes of something on Netflix that I've seen six times already. Um, y- y- you know, and, and because you are worried, like, this doesn't seem like it's going to hold. I've definitely had that experience more times than I'd care to remember. And I have to be at work, you know, in the morning. I just need sleep. Yeah, yeah, you have to. It, well, listen, you can't. One of the things I, I, you know, in the middle of my talk yeah, the other day, Really, just talking about insulin, I made sure to stop and tell, talk to the parents in the room for a second and tell them that the exhaustion piece is huge. Like, you get, you know, I found myself saying when you get exhausted, it happens in an incremental way where you don't kind of feel it coming. And then once you're there, you're trapped there. You're like on the, you know, like, you know, that Stranger Things where they're all behind the walls. Like, you're behind that wall now. You don't know how you got back there and you definitely don't know how to get out and you almost don't know what's happening to you. And so you're lost in this fog. It's really important for people to cover for each other if they can and, and to get as right. much sleep as possible. And during the day, I'm the one monitoring her. Mm-hmm. So that's my whole work day is like monitoring and working, monitoring and working. How much so, How much trouble do you have like passing off at, at night? Like do you have trouble looking at your husband and being like, okay, it's your turn now and, and not thinking about it? Or are you tired enough that you're able to do that? Come again? Are you like, like, do you feel anxiety when you pass the, the baton, so to speak? No, I used to. Oh my gosh. Like when I wasn't with her, I was freaking out. And then one day my mom was like, I'm watching her. Go relax. Yeah. And now I can just switch it off and I'm happy to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pass the baton. I'm like, I'm going to bed. Good luck. Well, there are people I know who are listening who I hope heard that because I said to someone this weekend, uh, you know, they said, oh, are you not watching Arden's blood sugar while you're here? I'm like, I'm in Ohio. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not watching it. Like, you know, like my wife's watching it. And when I'm, when my wife's at work, you know, yeah. she's not watching it. She's working and I'm taking care of it. So, right. and, and is it necessary for you to look at it as often as you, like how frequently do you think you're aware of her blood sugar? I mean, I would, I look every 40 minutes or so Okay. because, no. um, Sometimes the nurse is with other students and she doesn't, she doesn't see it. So we're like each other's backup. So let me ask you this. Where are the settings on her CGM? Like where do you, where are you alarmed for a low and where are you alarmed for a high? For me, I put it at 85 Mm -hmm. and I think the nurse wants a slightly higher. So it's at like 95, but I told her not to treat a low with fast acting glucose unless she's under 80. Okay. So she knows that, but it just puts her on alert. And then the highs, I don't even keep a high alert because I'm always watching her numbers. I mean. But if you put a high alert on, then you wouldn't have to watch. Because then when you weren't being alarmed, you would know you were somewhere between 85 and that number. Well, this what happens is she always goes low mid-morning. She's never high. And then by lunchtime, she needs the bolus. And, the, and if she needs a correction, that's when the aide does it. Mm-hmm. And then at two o'clock, the aide is still there and can give a second correction or in between temp basils. So someone's always watching. Okay. So I have two thoughts. 
And of course, you don't need to take my my thoughts as anything other than my thoughts. But I would practice on the weekends. I would take a high threshold and move it down to, I don't know, 130 and not look at that thing unless it beeps. Help yourself a little bit because if she's yeah. between 130 and 85, I'm assuming you'd be very happy with that. Yeah. Right? And so so instead of being anxious all the time, wondering when she's going to get higher, just know that it'll tell you and then let go. You know, you can just let go in that space. And, you know, the lows, the way you're handling the lows is completely reasonable. I mean, she's, you know, six years old. She's in first grade. I'd start thinking about a low around 80 if I was you as well. We don't do it till 70, but Arden's also older and, you know, we've been at it longer and stuff like that too. But I think you're doing, I think your low threshold's terrific. I think the way you're handling that sounds amazing. But I think for your own sense of, sense of what? Sanity, you, you know. Yeah. I think if you did that other thing, you you would learn pretty quickly that you can trust it. It'll tell you when she goes over that one thirty, and then do something. That's just that's a good idea. That's what I would do. I need you to be more relaxed. That, so, <laughs> seriously, I, I want you. I to be did happy. too. <laughs> you did. Too. But I have this, you know. Uh, I have a younger son who needs my attention also. Mm-hmm. So that's another wrinkle: is that I. I literally spend more time with my daughter than with him. And I'm always feeling guilty about it. All you, you, know? gotta, all you gotta do is move that high threshold down and then okay. go find Is that son. the answer to all my problems? It actually might be. It, it, because it, because think, seriously, when you think about it, like I'm, I'm not looking at Arden's blood sugar right now. Arden's blood sugar is where I know it is. I've done something. She, like I told you, she was a little elevated. We've done something. We've put insulin in. Insulin doesn't work in the first 10 minutes, the first 15 minutes. It's not going to bring a 160 down to 90 in, in the next half an hour because I haven't used too much. I know how much I've used. I've trust what, what I've, that what I know is going to happen. So I don't think about it again. And, mm-hmm. and if I look up at it again, it would be an hour later. But even at that, if it's not beeping, then she's not over one. 20 and she's not under 70 and if she was dropping fast then there are alarms for that do you have the quick drop alarms on yeah yeah so if it's not beeping you're good you know i'll try that yeah like let go a little bit just a tiny bit pretend that alarm is your glass of wine just sit back with it and relax when she's in that range just nothing else counts that's what i want for you and i want you to figure out a way to Trick your husband into going upstairs and bolusing at night. I know. <laughs> I always, well, I don't always do it, but I do it a lot. And it's because I'm the one involved. Do you think that's more why you're the one that goes up? Because it's still your shift? Like for, the- you know, if anything, he's the one that goes up. I just a couple of times that I have to. <laughs> it really bothers you when it happens to you. I want to watch my reality TV shows and in peace. Which one's and your favorite? Arden loves. I like the fun. housewives. I like to hear them argue because it's so <laughs> outrageous. Guys, I'm going to be at the Dancing for Diabetes Touched by Type 1 event on May 18th in Orlando, Florida. If you're in the area, I highly suggest that you come out. There are going to be a lot of wonderful speakers there. I mean, I'll be the best, but there's going to be other people. That Chris Rudin fellow is going to be there. You know him? He was on the show recently. Anyway, I don't know what everybody else is going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about being bold with insulin. I'm going to talk about how to use insulin to get the results that you want. 
All you have to do is go to dancingthenumber4diabetes.com to sign up. And by the way, if you make a suggested donation of $10 between now and May 17th, 2019, put the word juice box in the notes of your donation, you will be entered in a drawing to win a phone call with me where you can ask me absolutely whatever you want. Two people will win a 45-minute phone call. One lucky person is going to get a one-hour call with a 30-minute follow-up. It's a great organization. be a great place to make a donation. And who knows, you might get lucky with the phone call. Unless you don't want to talk to me. And then just make the donation and don't put in the word juice box. By the way, if you don't want to make a donation or you don't have access to the internet, you can mail in your entry. Isn't that fancy? Again, you can get all that information, you know, the address and stuff like that, at dancingthenumber4diabetes.com. I hope to see you in Orlando on May 18th. It's going to be a lot of fun. I got some swag to give away, too. Might be some magnets or buttons or something like that. You never know. Dancingfordiabetes.com. Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually, we're both lawyers, mm-hmm. so we deal with a lot of heavy, I deal with domestic violence victims, so we deal, I deal with a lot of heavy, heavy issues, so when I get home, I just want really to watch something that's uncomplicated. My wife, my wife says the same thing, my, because my wife's a very bright woman, and sometimes some of the things she watches on television throw me off about her a little bit, I'm like, why, why are we this invested in big brother exactly and, and she's like because there's nothing to think about here she's like this is as petty and silly and stupid as anything in the entire world it's amazing i can laugh at these people and then walk away and like teen mom i'm just like yelling at the girls like how could you be so stupid <laughs> protect yourself i don't watch a ton of reality television but one time i'm dying to say this on the podcast for some reason there's one reality show about i think amish people yeah, right. Breaking Amish. I don't know. All I know is I saw it one time, and I like that. And this girl left. Like you get this rom something. Like there's a yeah. Thing, right, you're allowed to rom- leave. You know what? Yeah. I'm, you know what I'm talking about, even yeah. though you don't know the word, right? And so she's away from her family, and someone asks her about how she keeps her teeth clean and so white. And she shows them she has like a gallon of bleach and she just dips, oh no. she dips her toothbrush in the bleach and brushes her teeth. And I'm thinking, See, well, that's entertaining. You know what? I was mortified and entertained at the same time. I was like, that person is brushing their teeth with straight bleach. I know that's not okay. And by the way, I don't know for sure, but let's just go out on a limb and say, that's not okay. That's very dangerous. You don't put bleach in your mouth, right? But there she was just all like, and as I was watching, I was like, boy, this is fun. (laughs) I have to to admit it was weird and fun at the same time. My poor husband, he just watches sports on his phone (laughs) to pass the time. But he sits with you, right? He does, out of love. That's a good guy. Yeah, see, that's good. You guys have still only been together like, what, I'm guessing now, seven, six? Almost. It's nine nine years. years, Yeah. Well, if he hasn't stopped sitting with you after nine years, I don't think he's going to stop. Aww, That's he's sweet. The yeah, best. Yeah, he's the best. He's he's got his phone off to the side trying to watch a basketball game, and you're yeah. <laughs> and, you're, and I tell him it's too loud. Yeah, and, you're <laughs> at the, and you're yelling at the teen moms. What's the most egregious thing the teen moms do? By the way, they keep having more kids. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
funniest thing. You know, well, I guess that is their biggest mistake. <laughs> Put a glove on it. <laughs> well, now, though, they're making money, aren't they? Like, isn't that their living now, being a teen mom? They still pick really terrible men. Well, yeah, well, who's going to, like... They're destroying children's lives. That I know is true. Okay, so I got you. All right. So, yeah, if you're on a reality show about being a teen mom, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're probably not doing, like, a great job for your kids. <laughs> Although they are making money. Like, I guess it's better than yeah. not making money, right? Oh, my gosh. They're having more kids. With different men? Different men. Yeah, well, I guess if the one, the first guy can't afford the first kid, he's not going to be able to afford the second one. Yeah. So you got. So let me ask you a question because, and and not to deviate too far. Yeah. You you were talking about your job. You're an attorney, and you work with um, domestic issues or battered women, or what is it you do? Battered women. So I work for a domestic violence shelter, and I'm in the legal headquarters, and I help women with restraining orders and custody, divorce issues. So all of the most dramatic things you could think of. Well, that is really important and beautiful work you do. That that's to be congratulated. Have you always been in that in that part of? Yeah, I've always really enjoyed family law. It just a lot more meaningful to me than like uh, slip and falls yeah. on the street. How long How long have you been doing it? Let's see, ten years. Wow. Do you get a real feeling every day, like you're helping people? Uh. I mean, I'm re- I am really impacting their children's lives. So once I had children, I started really thinking about the children, the effect of, you know, abuse on them, less so on the, on the mother. And that's not really politically correct to say, but I'm thinking a lot about the children and, like, what effect it has on them. It's how it strikes you personally when you're, when you're looking at the situation. Like, the mom's, that story is terrible, but you, it feels... I guess, multiplied for the children. It is. So I find it like my duty to protect them. So I'm trying to help the moms make the right decisions to protect their kids. That's really wonderful. Seriously, that's, I mean, I'm assuming as a lawyer, there are things you could do that would probably make you more money. So that that is really, that is really wonderful of you. And now we're going to get you to protect yourself a little bit, right? So we don't want you all freaking out all the time, wondering about blood sugars. I Put that high alert. Just move it down. By the way, here's the other thing about the high alert. Can we talk management for a second here at the end? Sure. There is um, data that shows that the lower your high alert is, the lower your A1C will be. Because you react sooner to blood sugars with less insulin. So let's say with the high alert pushed all the way up where it doesn't beep until it's 400 and it's left for you just to go back and check and check and check. If your blood sugar should jump up sometime in those, if Lila's blood sugar jumps up inside that 40 minute window where you're not looking and it ends up going from where you saw it last time, say at 90 and nice and stable and all of a sudden it jumps and it goes 120, 150, 180 and it's jumping up straight up and you don't. It's harder to get down for sure. Right. And not only is it harder to get down, but you use more insulin to get it down. And when you use more insulin, you end up low later, which is why I end up saying a lot of times that highs cause, can cause lows. No, we've been using, like, since I've listened to your podcast, mm-hmm. we literally went down from an 8.1 A1C, and then two endo appointments later, she's a 6.9. Oh, that's wonderful. And so we're like, I'm really utilizing what you say about stopping the arrow and not waiting three hours and um, temp basils, microbolusing. So if anything, sometimes I feel like I'm too aggressive. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's okay. I, I mean, I understand. You'll figure it out. And um, so I really, yeah, I really been using what you said. And at first I thought, no way that when I first heard your po- podcast, I thought it doesn't apply to me because I thought the only way you have Artem's A1C so low is you probably give her like low carb, tasteless food. Cause that's what I had seen some of my acquaintances do giving them like sugar substitutes. Right. And that was like not appealing to me or to my daughter. So when I heard she ate like regular food, that was like a big breakthrough moment for me. Like, wow. I'm glad. Well, I'm going to tell you then, then the moving your lower threshold, your higher threshold down, isn't just for you. Then it'll be for this. It'll help you with this as well. It really mm-hmm. will. I think the sooner you react, the less insulin you react with, uh, the quicker your blood sugar comes back to where you want it and the less chance you have a low later. So, um, you know, practice on the weekends at first, but I'd start around 150 and then shoot for 130 eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have been close to an hour and this was very chatty, which I liked, but we didn't really talk about anything specific. So did we not cover anything that you wanted to talk about? You know, just that the challenges of having a child with type one who's very high energy and little and six years old. Um, she, she recently had a fracture in her foot and had to not run around so much mm-hmm. and her numbers were so stable <laughs> and it made me realize how much it's just her running around that is making everything chaotic. No kidding. Yeah. Well, exercise does bring, can help bring your blood sugar down. So when you have less exercise, you could see it be more, I mean, was it stable, but higher? It was just great. Perfect. It was just great. Perfect. Well, listen then tie those kids, that kid's feet together when she gets home and tell her she's got to sit on the couch and watch teen mom with mommy. And that's, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I hear what you're saying. The activity can really make a difference. Um, and it, especially when it's not like a sport, right? Where it's not, it's not planned. She'll just randomly run around and that's what's so hard with a young child. Like I can't predict what she's going to do next. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say is that it's not, it's not like it's a, it's not like it's a soccer game between two and four. It's, uh, she's sitting perfectly still and then all of a sudden she's running around like a lunatic and then she comes back, sits yeah. back down and then does it again and again. Exactly. How do you know her? Yeah. Well, please. I had kids. (laughs) Mine were a little more mellow than that, but they still did crazy stuff that I thought, like, where did that come from? Like, they were just over here and now they're gone, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, she'll get a job one day. That'll calm her right down. Yeah. (laughs) To take all the fun right out of everything. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, just to tease a little bit, right, I'm going to be interviewing the first teacher you met at the preschool that went well the aid yeah the, the first aid right and um and she's gonna have a little more knowledge about type 1 diabetes now than she did even when she was with uh lila is that right she's amazing yeah okay cool all right well thank you very much thanks also to omnipod dancing for diabetes and dexcom you can go to dexcom.com forward slash juice myomnipod.com forward slash juice box or dancing the number four diabetes.com to find out more. There are also links in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Don't forget if you make a purchase at 
realgoodfoods.com and use the offer code JUICEBOX, you'll save 20% on your entire order. Let me take a moment to thank everyone. April was the most popular month in downloads ever in the history of the podcast. And that is month over month growth that has been going on for well over a year and a half now. Every month stronger than the month before. And that is incredibly important as we come up quickly on what will be the one millionth download of the Juicebox podcast. And when that happens, there will be a celebration with prizes and giveaways and fireworks. There probably won't be fireworks. Uh, but there will be giveaways and prizes and stuff to do. I cannot believe one million downloads is coming this year. It's, it's insane. I don't know what the most popular diabetes podcast in the world is, but if I had to bet on which one was, I think I know where I'd put my money. And that is because of you guys. It's because you share the show with other people. On social media, I got, I see you guys do it all the time. Facebook, Instagram. You're always sharing the show with other people, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. It just is the reason that the show continues to grow and flourish. You guys are helping me. I hope I'm helping you. I will definitely be back next week. Oh, you know what, too? And here's a good enough place to say this. Remember when I said the Diabetes Pro Tip series with Jenny was going to be 10 episodes? Forget that. Jenny's going to keep coming back. I don't know how many episodes there'll be by the time we're done, but it's going to be a lot more than 10. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.